We are now recording. Nick, you can take it away whenever you're ready. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's uh, edition of the Dividend Kings Roundtable podcast. This is Nicholas Ward here, and I have Adam Gallus and Brad Thomas on the line with me, a couple of the Dividend Kings co-founders. So uh, once again, I'm pleased to have uh, you know a couple of heavy hitters on the call with me this week. This is our last podcast of the year, so I do want to wish everybody a happy new year, and I hope everybody stays safe uh, throughout their celebrations. And with the new year in mind, we are talking about our favorite investment ideas for 2021 this week. So uh, I, I think the plan is for uh, Brad, Adam, and I to all give uh, some of our top picks looking into the new year. But before we get into that, I think Adam does have some sort of high-level macro data that he wants to share. So I will just quickly pass it to him, and then we'll get into our favorite investment ideas. Thanks, Nick. It's been a heck of a year in 2020, a truly remarkable year. Nobody would have predicted if you told us that we were going to face the worst pandemic in a century and the worst recession in 75 years, including the worst economic contraction in history, that we would the market would be up almost 18% in 2020. And that's after the best, 29, uh, best year uh, in 2019 for the market since 1987. The market's actually up 55% since January 1st, 2019. And of course, the problem is that uh, valuations have become more than a little stretched. The market is 42% historically overvalued for 2022's consensus earnings, 35% for next year's earnings. And of course, a lot of people, uh, um, uh, Dividend Kings members, uh, Seeking Alpha commenters, they tell us that it's such so hard. How can you buy when the market's at all time highs? So I actually found a great article from JP Morgan Asset Management. They did a study where they looked at market returns since 1988. And since 1988, the market has hit a new all-time high, 7.5% of days, or about one in 12 market days, the market was hitting a new all-time high. And they looked at what would happen if you had invested in the S&P 500, just a cheap index fund, on an average day since 1988, versus at only at all time highs. And the remarkable thing is that uh, if you just for 12 month forward returns, investing at on, on an average day would have earned you 11.7% on average over the next year versus 14.6% for investing only at all time highs. For the next three years, investing on an average interest uh, in uh, average day would have earned you 39.1% versus 50.4 investing only at all time highs. And for five years, you would have earned 71.4% investing on an average day versus 78.9% at all time highs. Now, of course, these are not long term periods, these are short to medium term. But the point is that with the market going up 75% of all years, the greatest compound wealth compounding machine in history. It is the high probability, low risk uh, opportunity to basically keep putting money to work. And I would point out that Warren Buffett, he's mastered this hybrid approach that, you know, since uh, uh, at 55 years at Berkshire, 20% annualized returns. And the approach he's used is this hybrid dollar cost averaging slash opportunistic approach. This has not been a quarter in 55 years in which Berkshire hasn't been buying quality blue chip companies. $11 billion last quarter, in, uh, including $6 billion worth of Abbey, Bristol, and Merck, all high quality pharma recommendations that we've been buying ourselves in recent months. And 
of course, when the market does sell off, he puts money to work more aggressively. And so this is essentially the what we can take away from Buffett and this more uh, JP Morgan study is basically it's always safe to put money to work as long as you use good risk management. You always uh, remember to not panic during market downturns. But most importantly, as long as you're buying quality companies, safe blue chips at safe valuations, then you truly don't have to worry about buying even at market all-time highs. That is a, a really interesting statistic there, Adam. It's almost hard to believe, you know, at first glance glance, but I guess the more I think about it, it does make sense, especially in the short term. Uh, you know, when there is strong bullish sentiment in the market, I think that probably is likely to generate higher returns. Uh, I would be interested to see, you know, even longer term data back to pre-88, because I wonder how much the Federal Reserve's uh, easy monetary policies over the last decade or so has impacted those studies. However, uh, you know, we'll let uh, JP Morgan Asset Management, uh, you know, perform that. That's obviously a uh, a, a steep endeavor to, uh, you know, think about doing. But uh, you did mention Buffett buying healthcare, and I was actually going to pass it to Brad and let him talk about his picks first. But I guess I will mention, uh, you know, when I'm thinking about uh, my top picks for 2021, you know, I, I do my Knicks picks uh, annual article every year. And, uh, you know, I also obviously invest for myself. And uh, the healthcare names was actually at the top of my list as well. Uh, Pfizer, not so much. I'm a little bit uh, concerned from Pfizer from a dividend growth perspective. I do think the dividend is safe. They just have a, a spinoff situation. And I'm not sure if the forward looking dividend is going to be, uh, you know, attractively, you know, higher than it was in the past. However, I do really like uh, the other Buffett picks, AbbVie, Bristol Myers and Merck. Those are all names that I've been accumulating recently. Uh, in my opinion, they're all cheap. They're all trading below their historical averages. They're all trading below the market averages. They all have strong dividend yields. Uh, they're all actually twice, roughly twice as high as the S&P 500's 1.5% yield. Abby at 5% is obviously much higher than that. But uh, these are all companies, when I think about investing, I think about getting uh, buying into names that have dividend yields that are higher than the S&P 500. All of these healthcare names that I just mentioned, check that box dividend growth that is faster than the S&P 500s. Uh, they also check that box as well. Uh, they all provided very strong dividend increases during 2020 during the pandemic year. And what I've found historically is that when you're able to buy companies that have higher yields and higher dividend growth, uh, the underlying fundamentals that uh, you know allow that to happen generally result in uh, just overall stronger returns in the S&P 500 as well. So uh, when we're talking about top investments and things that are likely uh, or at least have the, uh, you know, higher than average po possibility to outperform in the short term. I do like uh, those large cap healthcare names. So uh, with that said, uh, let's go ahead and pass it to Brad. Like I originally planned to do. I'm always interested to hear uh, what he has to say and which uh, areas of REITdom and, or even the rest of the market that he is bullish on. So uh, let's pass it over to Brad Thomas, our resident uh, real estate expert. Great. Uh, thank you, Nick. And it's great to be on today, the last day of 2020. And uh, I want to thank everybody for being part of Dividend Kings. Um, you know, we really worked hard uh, to, to build this service and uh, we want to make it better and better. And that's our number one objective. And uh, I'll, uh, so I want to thank again, Adam and, and Nick for their, uh, their help uh, on this platform. You know, on the subject of dividends, you know, this is Dividend Kings. And the reason we purposely named this Dividend Kings is because we obviously recognize the importance of dividends. 
I've got an article that I'm getting ready to publish on the Dividend King site uh, about my three top swans for 2021. And in that article, I, I, I write about dividends. Uh, everybody's familiar with John D. Rockefeller's famous quote, do you know what gives me pleasure? Dividends. And I tied that into an academic study that actually ties right into what Adam was talking about with his, his uh, uh, opening remarks. Uh, there's a research paper, and I link that to the article that Michael Jensen, who was a Harvard professor, had published a number of years ago. And I've used this a good bit. And again, I mentioned this in the article, and it goes like this. Payouts to shareholders reduce the resources under managers' control, thereby reducing managers' power and making it more likely they will incur the monitoring of the capital markets, which occurs when the firm must obtain new capital. Financing projects internally avoids this monitoring and the possibility the funds will be unavailable or available only at high explicit prices. Uh, Jansen goes on to say, managers with substantial free cash flow can increase dividends or repurchase stock and thereby pay out current cash that could otherwise be invested in low return projects or wasted. Benjamin Grant really sums it up like this. Paying out a dividend does not guarantee great results, but it does improve the return of the typical stock by yanking at least some cash out of the manager's hands before they squander it or squirrel it away. Now, of course, we all know in the REIT space, there's a little different agenda here because by law, REITs must, emphasize must, pay out at least 90% of taxable income and most pay out 100% of taxable income. However, if you don't have taxable income, you don't pay dividends. And that's what we saw with this pandemic in 2020. But what's different is a lot of companies have now come back. They've clawed back. There's some that aren't clawed back. There's some that may not ever claw back. But we've been covering all of those sectors very closely. So the three names that I want to talk about today are all companies that I consider swans. Again, the acronym for sleep well at night. The first one I want to highlight is a healthcare REIT. Healthcare Trust of America. We've been covering the company since they listed shares. They were a non-traded REIT, so they listed. They didn't IPO like a traditional REIT. They listed on the exchange seven years ago. Since that time, they've increased the dividend every single year. Uh, so I give management a lot of credit. Even during a pandemic, they increase that dividend. Healthcare Trust of America is not insanely cheap, but it's certainly not expensive. We think it's a buy today. Shares are trading at a multiple of about 15.9, which is the FFO multiple we use in REITs. And that's below the average, say, five-year multiple, which is about 17.7. This is all in the article I published that. Dividend yield is about 4.7%. Again, not huge. But again, we're not chasing yield here. We're looking for safe income, reliable income, that dividend track record, payout ratio, all of that. We've checked all those boxes. They got the triple B rating low cheap cost of capital, et cetera. That's all in the article. Next one I wanna talk about is Highwoods Properties. In my backyard, close to my backyard, they're in Raleigh, North Carolina, where they own uh, office buildings, primarily in the Southeast. So when I say South Southeast, they're in markets like Nashville, Atlanta, Raleigh, Tampa, Orlando, Pittsburgh, Richmond, and Charlotte. Primarily office, they've got a little bit of retail, not much. What we like about this company, again, going back to the dividends, they don't have the impressive dividend record that we had with 
HTA, Healthcare Trust of America. But what I like about Highwoods is they did not decrease the dividend during the last, well, should I say the Great Recession. Uh, they're the only office REIT that actually did not cut in 08, 09. And of course, they increased in during the pandemic. So they've been able to increase the dividend now for a number of years, uh, never cut that dividend. And we think that that's meaningful. Um, so right now, again, they're trading at a pretty substantial discount. Again, on a multiple basis, they're trading at about 10.8 times, almost 11, compared to their average multiple, which is about 14.4. We think there's potential, there's a good bit of growth. We've looked at analyst estimates. We've looked at our estimates, and we think there's potential for pretty good growth. They've got a nice development pipeline that's in, in place. The pandemic really hasn't disrupted that development pipeline. Dividend yield there, again, nothing huge. It's 4.9%. We think that's going to grow, creating total return prospects of around 15% as our target, minimum 15% for this one. Last but not least, and I'm sure you can guess, my last 2021 SWAN pick is my standby, my all, you know, this is the go-to. Yes, you're right. It's Realty Income is on the list. Now, Realty Income's traded back up. It's right at what I consider to be sound value. We've got a price target or a fair value target about $61.75. They're trading just below $61. So it's, you know, we can argue, we can debate, you know, pennies here, but it's soundly valued. But I like the dividend yield. It's about 4.5% roughly, I believe, dividend yield. We all know the impressive track record, 27 years in a row, one of only three dividend aristocrats. Uh, in the REIT sector. And, you know, we think they've maintained, they've managed this pandemic extremely well because of the two levers, the two most important levers for them in any REIT is the cost of capital advantage, A rated balance sheet, two rating agencies, both Moody's and S&P, and low cost of capital. In Europe, their cost of capital is insanely cheap. They can execute extremely cheap in Europe. That's why they're in Europe. You're going to see a lot more growth in Europe with Realty Income in 21, believe me. Uh, and we expect some M&A activity with Realty Income. We think the net lease sector is prime for M&A. Realty Income is right on top of their game. They're one of the few REITs that can execute large-scale M&A. Dividend yields 4.6%. But given the alternatives we have in the market, that track record and this high-quality swan, you know, it's a definitely buy on my list. Again, it's getting a little rich, but, you know, it's definitely a buy today, especially where we are in this cycle today. There's still a lot of unknowns uh, with regard to the vaccine, the timing of the vaccine, uh, all the things we talk about every week on these podcasts. So those are my three picks for the day. And uh, Nick, I'm going to turn it back over to you. And I want to thank everybody again. Hope everybody has a great new year and looking forward to success in 2021. Uh, thanks, Brad. And it, yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, I'm not surprised to hear you talking about realty income there. But, you know, I think it's worth noting to people, you know, if, if they feel like we're sort of, uh, you know, sounding like a broken record here, this is, you know, also, in my opinion, the highest quality REIT out there. Uh, I do agree with you. I think the fair value is probably right around here in the low 60s, uh, you know, but as as uh, Warren Buffett or, you know, just about any sort of, uh, you know, value investor, I think would say it's okay to purchase a wonderful blue chip like this right at fair value over the long term. I think that does set you up, uh, you know, for strong returns. And uh, I have also been purchasing uh, realty income in my personal portfolio uh, throughout 2020. And I plan to basically continue to do that uh, so long as the shares are here in the low 60s. 
Uh, Brad sort of focused on the, uh, the defensive dividend yields of the REIT sector, talking about how they have to pay out, you know, that 90% of their uh, cash flows. And uh, like you said, a lot of, usually it's hundred percent REITs are known for their high yields and reliable yields. And uh, that is something that people think about as defensive investments. And with that in mind, I will tra uh, transition to the other area of the market that I'm actually pretty interested in right now, which is the defense stock space. Um, I, I, you know, it's a little play on words here, but I actually do think that defense stocks are defensive investments. Uh, you know, there has been, these stocks have struggled. The market's obviously rallied quite a bit uh, since the election, uh, yet the defense stocks have been laggards because I think a lot of people fear that a uh, Democratic administration in the White House will uh, cut defense spending or at least won't, you know, increase it. And that, you know, that doesn't bode well for these companies that do generate the vast majority of their sales uh, from governments and, you know, especially the U.S. government. However, uh, I'm not sure if history really points towards that. You know, I do think that uh, both administrations understand the importance of uh, national security and defense spending. And, uh, you know, we recently saw that cyber attack, which has been attributed to uh, Russia. And then, you know, we have a, a sort of trade war and some would even call it like a cold war going on right now with China, you know, the other world power who is sort of uh, you know, competing with the United States to become uh, the world power. So with that in mind, you know, I have to believe that defense spending, uh, you know, will stay at a relatively high level. And with that in mind, I think some of the blue chip dividend growth stocks that have been recent laggards uh, do present a pretty attractive uh, opportunities moving forward. I'm talking about names like Lockheed Martin, Northward Grumman, and uh, L3 Harris. Those are probably my, my top favorite. General Dynamics is obviously a favorite as well. I just, I like the sort of more uh, cyber and aerospace oriented portfolios of the three that I mentioned first, but uh, General Dynamics is cheap and has a nice dividend yield too. Um, you know, I think uh, those are the types of stocks that uh, would do typically do well in a wide variety of economic environments. And uh, they have done well in 2020 from an operational standpoint, even if the share price has uh, suffered a little bit due to negative sentiment. Uh, I am personally, I'm, I haven't invested in these names yet. I'm waiting to see the, the runoff election results in Georgia. I don't want to get too uh, you know, deep into the weeds of politics here. I don't really have any idea what's going to happen on this runoff, but I can sort of speculate in the short term, at least, that if the two uh, Democratic candidates do win, I do think that will create uh, you know, more negative sentiment in the defense uh, stock sector. And with that in mind, I'm happy to sort of wait to see what happens with the Senate, uh, with control of the Senate, excuse me. And, uh, you know, if that creates an opportunity to buy blue chips like Lockheed, like Northrop Grumman or like L3 Harris uh, into weakness, that is something I'm strongly considering doing here uh, in early January if that happens. So that's sort of an opportunistic trade, but I do think those are stocks that over the long term will continue to do well, uh, just as they have in the past. These are all great dividend growers. They offer strong dividend yields. And, uh, you know, although they're not in the technology space, they, they really have disruptive technology and they're not being valued like the other technology names uh, due to the fact that their customers are governments most often instead of enterprise or consumer clients. So that's, uh, like I said earlier, the healthcare and now the defense sector. Those are sort of my uh, top picks, uh, you know, right now looking for quality and value moving into 2021. And uh, now that my picks are out of the way, I'm going to pass it over to Adam. I think he's got a nice diversified list, uh, just like Brad. So I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. And, uh, and then we'll shut it down. And just like we said earlier, wish everybody a happy new year. Thanks, Nick. 
So Chuck, of course, a fellow co-founder of the Dividend Kings, he, he loves to say it's a market of stocks, not a stock market. And that is absolutely true. Even today with the market, 42% overvalued. I just checked this morning. So on, out of 480 companies on the Dividend Kings master list, 58 are potentially good buys or better. 101 are potentially reasonable buys. That's a total of 159 out of 480 companies reasonably to attractively valued or 33% of our investing universe, even at record highs. And so I wanted to point out that you know what what I love to point out and you know what Dividend King strives to do all the time is to help you find the best quality blue chips for any given need and risk profile. And so let me just give you some great ideas for 2021. If you're looking for the most undervalued super swan, that would be British American tobacco, 51% undervalued and a safe yield of 7.1%. If you want the absolute highest safe yield, that would be Magellan Midstream Partners, MMP, uh, it does have a, K, a K1 tax form because it's an MLP, but currently 45% undervalued and yielding a safe 9.8%. If you're looking for the, just the, uh, the most undervalued aristocrat, Walgreens, 45% undervalued and a safe 4.7% yield. It is a bit speculative, of course, in this pandemic because it's going through a turnaround and it has been impacted, but analysts do expect it to uh, eventually recover and grow at a modest rate going forward. Altria, MO, it's the most undervalued dividend king, 37% discount to fair value and a very safe 8.5% yield. And if even if you're looking for pure growth, Amazon is a perfect example, the most undervalued ultra swan hyper growth company, 27% discount to average 2021 historical fair value. Analysts expect 41.5% long-term growth, the fastest consensus growth on the entire master list, currently about 19 to 30% uh, annualized five-year return potential. And if you're comfortable with a more speculative hypergrowth blue chip in, uh, opportunity, Alibaba right now about 46% undervalued. Uh, analysts expect 29% five-year return consensus, 9.2 times more than the S&P 500. So the point is that it's always a market of stocks, not a stock market. Great blue chip ideas are always available. And whether you're looking for pure growth, that safest high yield, or just a great combination of both yield and uh, uh, growth, you can find anything you need at uh, any given time, no matter what the market or stock market is uh, or the economy is doing. And if you combine these kinds of companies, then you can achieve very attractive yields of around 5% with about 15% annualized uh, long-term growth consensus and discounts to fair value averaging about 30%. And with those kinds of fundamentals, you can be rest assured that you're putting your savings to work in a reasonable and prudent way going into 2021. Thanks, Adam. I think you make a great point there about just the, you know, and combining growth and, and value and high yield and everything coming together uh, to make just a very high quality, well diversified portfolio. As you were saying that, I was thinking, and I, I probably will do this, I'll take all the picks that we mentioned today in this article, I'll, you know, we'll make a little sample portfolio and we'll, we'll revisit in a year, evenly weighted, and, uh, you know, across all the picks that everybody mentioned, and we'll see how it does. And if I had to guess, that portfolio will do quite well uh, moving forward. That's just what happens when you focus on quality, uh, when you focus on dividends, and when you focus on dividend growth. So uh, I think this has probably been a very valuable 
podcast for our listeners to, you know, to consume. Uh, I definitely got a couple of good ideas myself. I need to check out that office wreath that Brad mentioned. It, it wasn't something that was on my radar, uh, you know, but anytime a company is able to, uh, or was able to maintain their dividend through the great recession, that is, uh, you know, speaks of, you know, very high quality management and uh, conservative balance sheet management. So um, like everybody said, uh, you know, we do just want to thank everybody for the support that we've had uh, through 2020. This has been a volatile year and uh, we certainly thank everybody for sticking with us. And we, uh, we all, I think on this call and just hopefully all of our listeners as well, we have high hopes uh, for 2021 and uh, we look forward to uh, joining you guys with more podcasts into the new year. So once again, stay safe tonight. Uh, you know, if you're out drinking, please call a cab. And uh, other than that, uh, we wish you all the best. Thank you. Bye.